Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. Hey everybody, Tristan here. Uh, this episode does talk uh, briefly and not in detail, but it does talk about sexual assault. If that's not a thing that you're comfortable listening to, I understand you can just tune in next week, but uh, just thought you'd let you know. All right, let's get on with the content. Let's do it. I've been here. I've also been here, Scott. Me. <laughs> I was here for this intro as well. I'm also content warning, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also content. Let's get into it. It was almost so perfect, Tristan. It was. It was almost so perfect. It could have been something. It could have been something. It's still but a I, bit of something. But I dropped the ball on this one. Friends, we like to uh, imagine that we are, you know, high class intellectual comedians yeah. mm-hmm. on this show. And this episode had multiple layers. It had multiple layers. And we almost got there. It was going to be episode 69. 69. It was going to come out on Valentine's Day. Nice. And it was going to be the anal probe episode. Also nice. Now, two out of three of those are still true. Yes, it is still um, (laughs) Valentine's Day, the day where we celebrate this year, the 15th anniversary of the release of the Samwell song, What What, brackets in the butt. Perfect. um, Uh, And we're still going to be talking about stuff in butts. Yeah. Well, I guess... Technically, Tristan, if people are watch, if people are listening to this a week early on Nebula, then it isn't the valent. It's not Valentine's Day. Yes. Happy February seventh, Nebula. Yeah. Nebula. Wow. So this is just crumbling in all sorts of ways. But it's it's we almost had it. It was almost perfect. Oh well, there's what always. What if we skipped? Hold on, Tristan. What if we skipped episode sixty-eight? If we just episode sixty-eight will come out later. Episode sixty-eight will come out next week. This is episode sixty-nine. Okay, let's just do it. How about that? Let's yeah. just do that. Okay, everyone, we're 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 skipping ahead. This is episode sixty-nine now. Yep. Yeah, baby. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We made it. All three. Trifecta. Um, let's have fun with this whole concept now because, um, you know, anal probes are uh, a staple of the UFO genre yeah. and one of the most often lampooned for humorous bits. Um, I do say that it very quickly gets sad and depressing and not funny. So let's enjoy the lightheartedness uh, while it begins. <laughs> How blue are we going with this episode? I'm not going just, I I, I mean, it's probably important for people listening. Um, We are not going to talk about anything in graphic detail um, because, you know, this is an explicit podcast, but that's like a level of explicit that you don't need while you are uh, washing the dishes after Sunday night dinner with like Mima and grandpa still having coffee in the dining room or something. So what if we just get all the jokes out right now? Okay. So we did, we said 69. Nice. We should have gotten good. Chuck Tingle. Chuck Tingle. Yep. We That's back. I understand that reference now that you've explained it to me. Pounded in the butt by a episode of It's Probably Not Aliens. Yeah. Would have been a great title. Would have been uh, good. Um, What's like a funny, what's like a funny word for butt that isn't the word butt? Tushy? Tushy. Tukus. Tukus. Oh. Tukus. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a classic. I don't know where this intro is going. Um, We should probably <laughs> start with, hi, everybody. This is the podcast called It's Probably Not Aliens. That's true. Now, what do we do on this podcast, you're wondering? Well, we talk about butts sometimes. This is the All Butts All the Time podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. And uh, mostly we talk about 
alien conspiracies, sometimes in the ancient variety, but we've been doing a lot of more like modern or like even classic sort of alien uh, conspiracies and tropes and things like that recently. To be fair, we are actually kind of, we are going through the show. We are just kind of in the part of the show where the show is talking a lot about more contemporary UFO sightings. So yeah, the show, the history channel show, ancient aliens. That's what we do. We, we look at that show and we debunk stuff while learning about real world history of people and places and things. And, this, and the, the thing today. <laughs> the thing today is a it's a good one. It's a good one. My name is Scott Nicewander. I know nothing. I come into this podcast every single week. Just, God, the joke's on my mind when I, I don't even want to say them right now. Um, I was going to do a couple puns about butts, but I'm going to save everyone okay. uh, and save myself. I just, I'm here. I'm here. And that's all I can say. My name's Tristan, taking up the rear of this introduction. And um, this, uh, I'm the one who intentionally spent several days of my 34-year-old man life researching anal probes for aliens for your listening pleasure. And we thank you for your sacrifice. Unless you liked it. Now that we have built the flared base of this podcast, we can move on. Oh my God. (laughs) Now that we're properly lubed up, let's get to, let's get to the main course. What are we, what are we talking about? Oh my goodness. Um, So today we're talking about a very common trope. We've, I just, I just, I just feel like we've been dancing around the rim of this. You know what I mean? We gotta get, (laughs) we gotta get to to the the center of this hole, Tristan. Yes. What are we talking about? Um, Aliens. So this is the claim from ancient aliens and uh, you, a lot of UFO folks in general, and that is aliens abduct people. Um, we talked about this last week with uh, with uh, Barney and Betty. Um, they they kidnapped them and they uh, threw them like a solid you know days walk away from their car. They apparently never returned. Bam Bam and no, nope. <laughs> Bam Bam's with the aliens. Yeah, and so like nothing uh, like all that stuff happens. And a part of these alien abductions is apparently that aliens are very interested in our butts. Uh, there are Super several alien abduction accounts that involve stuff happening in or around the uh, the Tuckus region. Okay. And this happens in a lot of cases. Um, and this is instantly where things start to get uh, kind of sad be- or get, you know, all jokes out of the way because a lot of these are not written as uh, consensual probings, in which case mm. we are talking about sexual violence in uh, in a very kind of not uh, good way. That's why I like, but the thing is, as in many ways of our society, these things are played for laughs. Uh, so I was hoping that we could get the levity we got all, out of the way. As we got all to- the jokes. Jokes are yeah. out of the room right now. Mm-hmm. No more jokes. Yeah. So I'm going to sit here for the rest of the episode. <sighs> so this is, this is the part that this is like, I don't know. This is, this is going to be a complex subject. Um, it gets into some uh, strange parts of politics and history that I did not expect. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we should just get into it and kind yeah. of talk about what's going on. So there's actually like two really good answers about where the uh, the sort of anal probing narrative comes from. Okay. And I guess like the first thing we could talk about is, well, first of all, all UFO stuff starts in 1947 with the Roswell incident. But the first abduction that really mm-hmm. goes viral and takes the world by storm is The Hills about Barney the and Hills. Betty Hill. So we're Who back we talked with The Hills. About very recently. Yep. We talked about them two episodes ago because this is episode 69, not episode mm-hmm. 68. Exactly. Uh, so basically their story uh, that we kind of got into is that in 1961, they had this uh, abduction narrative that was reconstructed through different dreams and hypnosis that they had over the years uh, and really got popular in 1965. And a lot of the story that they told in that incident became the template for a lot of abduction stories, even though there are actually some precedents uh, to this. There are some actual abduction narratives that happened in the 40s and 50s, but the alien abduction of of uh, of Barney and Betty Hill is sort of almost like the scientific update of a very old part of our history, which is these stories of supernatural kidnapping tales or even mundane mm-hmm. kidnapping tales. 
yeah. of being abducted by some sort of malevolent entity and having bad things done to you, and then you are brought back to tell the story. This has many different cases, some supernatural, as we talked about in previous episodes about um, people experiencing hallucinations while experiencing sleep paralysis, which can cause extremely disturbing uh, visions and, and experiences. Mm-hmm. But furthermore, uh, these narratives have gone back uh, even further with uh, like a lot of those sleep paralysis things were described as demons or malevolent beings that were yeah. uh, that were doing things to them. But also uh, these have been used to justify wars. Uh, the Im- immediately my uh, American history brain goes to a lot of what were called kidnapping narratives or capture captive narratives, which were used a lot in early colonial America of uh, women telling stories of them being kidnapped by uh, indigenous Americans and having their mm. sort of stories about the horrible things that they did to them used as a justification for uh, for for violence against the indigenous people of say uh, like uh, Massachusetts mostly right um, big big mass holes there <laughs> as they like to call themselves yep. so like that that part is part of American like there is uh gosh this is taking me all the way back to like my American cultural studies um like seminar course that I took when I was in grad school Mm -hmm. Uh, where we studied one woman's captive narrative through various different like methodological lenses over and over again for an entire year. Uh, And then, you know, now it's, uh, it's, you know, almost 10 years later and I can't remember what the person's name was. No, (laughs) I can, I can probably get this Mary Rowlandson, Mary Rowlandson's captivity narrative of her being uh, kidnapped by uh, indigenous people in, uh, in new England. And, oh yeah. During King Philip's war, which is like a major conflict between uh, Europeans and indigenous people in sort of uh, 17th century America. Boy, I do not know a lot about my, the own, my own country that I live in. Well, the thing is on top of that, like not only did it have all this stuff, but on top of that, it also had a lot of stuff that a lot of historians look at because she did get captured and uh-huh. her story has a lot of like writings about what life was like under these people. And this is sort of like the best, some of the best eyewitness accounts of indigenous people before being like very thoroughly um, attacked and displaced by European settlers see there's like a an insight into a lot of their life that uh doesn't exist much elsewhere either ways this is like a long aside um but just to say that you know kidnapping tales have a long history in america but also around the world because of these sort of experiences sure the other thing too that's sort of important for the cultural context of Barney and Betty Hill is that in the 1960s, medicine was uh, starting to become a larger part of like scientific medicine was becoming a larger part of everyday culture. Um, like, for example, uh, in the 1960s is when we first start seeing the large amount of institutions of uh, family medicine, like family doctors, more and more physicians who just uh, instead mm. of um, like instead of uh, focusing on being general doctors as the field becomes more sophisticated, they start becoming more specialized and you start having more specialists that you have to see instead of just like, you know, a guy who shows up to your house with a big bag with a plus sign on it. And uh, Right. You get all these different people who are, who know specific, it, you know, it's like, um, Every couple seasons in Grey's Anatomy, when they need to let someone, they're like, all right, the the actor who played the plastics surgeon is out. So we need another plastics person so we can have plastic storylines and mm-hmm. things like that. You got to have all these different fields for all these different storylines. It makes it more interesting. Definitely. Furthermore, um, the 1960s in the United States is also marked by a time of increasing prosperity and a growing uh, oh, middle cool. class in the United States. States. Um, yeah, imagine what that was like. But Man. there were more and more people who had more and more disposable income that they could do to afford going to a doctor. Oh, wow. So that people- is... <laughs> That is wild to think about for me. <laughs> yeah. So what that means, though, is that in general, the scientific field or, or the medical field is becoming more scientifically sophisticated. And on top of that, people are in general seeing doctors more. When was the last you're Canadian? When was the last time that you saw a doctor for you? And you don't have to answer if you don't want to. But I'm just curious. Monday? Monday? Yeah, I would oh, no, know for, for myself personally. Yeah. Because my son has an ear infection and we went to the doctor last night. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but the time for me was Monday. And I have, can I tell you, I have not been to a doctor since 
Oh my god, hold on. I don't think I have been to a doctor since I was 26 years, oh, 25. Soul. I've not been to a doctor since I was 20, 25 or 26, whatever the last year is that you can be on your parents' health insurance. Oh my goodness. That was the last time I went to a doctor. See, to um, me, the concept of going to a doctor's office and having to pay money blows my mind because I just go there and show my health card and then they just let me in and I just get doctor. Yeah, boy, that's I'm Canadian, nice. so I have to pay pay for medicine still because Canada's healthcare is extremely limited. But um, but not as much as you guys do. You guys have to pay a lot out of pocket for medicine. Yeah, I, I, I'm prices are up and up and up, Tristan. Mm-hmm. Up and up and up. We oh, got a oh, big Adderall shortage. Trust me, uh, I just had to go around town today, uh, knocking on different pharmacies' doors, saying, "Can I please have a cup of uh, antibiotic?" Because they were like out of it <laughs> everywhere. So it's for mm-hmm. a baby. Um, but uh, but yeah. So everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so what you're yeah, saying you, is the past was better for for for, for me. Americans. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Um, a lot of things were better um, for, for white for Americans. Specifically, I was going to say, for specifically me, maybe, Yes, <laughs> things were better in the past. But there was a growing middle class in the United States in the 1960s, and that class was seeing doctors more often, and doctors were at the same time becoming more science-focused, which means that uh, interactions with developments in the realm of medical technology was mm. was closer. And it's interesting that because uh, you were we were talking you talked about this last last week two episodes ago um, when Barney and Betty Hill told their stories they more narratives and more stuff came out over time um, mm-hmm. and one of the key ones that's important for this is that the year that they wrote their first. Uh, narrative that included anal probing was in 1969. Nice. Um, nice. But you know what else happened in 1969? We went to the moon. Yes. We went to a different moon as well, though. And that was the introduction of colonoscopies. Oh, we went to Uranus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, so in 1969, uh, the colonoscopy, which is a medical procedure that's used to look for polyps uh, or other various things that have to do with the large intestine, um, are uh, became a public thing and so people were the, the 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 colonoscopy was on people's minds and then all of a sudden people have these stories and 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 also Barney and Betty had in the sort of context we we're talking about with more scientific stuff and stuff like that did write a lot about medical experimentations being part of their abduction narrative um mm-hmm. Betty described having her hair and fingernails collected and having yes. a large needle inserted into her belly button I believe you talked about that when talking about bodily mm-hmm. autonomy and stuff uh barney wrote about a probe of some sort being inserted into his uh what's a good what's a new one what's one we could use into his into his rump his rump there you go um but he understood it to have a sexual purpose because it was linked to him uh to the aliens making a sperm uh basically collecting sperm so there's already like a sort of uh sexual violation aspect to it which does show up a lot in the sort of sleep paralysis narratives as well um one of the most common ones that you might be familiar with is Mm -hmm. the story of a demon called a succubus Yep, yep, yep. Uh, a demonic creature that comes and uh, steals your soul through sexual intercourse when you are like, uh, you know, paralyzed and frozen in bed. Yeah, we've talked a, a little bit about this before because I ha- I have think, knock on knock on wood not recently, but many times throughout my past I've experienced sleep paralysis. Yes, but you have not experienced any hallucinations. I, but I've never seen, yeah, any sort of hallucinations or, or demons or anything like that. But I know that that is a common thing that people mm-hmm. say. So that is a large, so that that's a, that's a very interesting, unique part of this. And it also shows like sort of the, I know that like, okay, I know that this is coming off as me sounding very flippant about something that was obviously very traumatic. And we talked about a lot of this last week. The only reason I'm going quickly is because we're kind of retreading old ground here um mm-hmm. but that there was a sexual angle that shows up a lot in these sleep paralysis narratives furthermore um there's also a different bit of drama about barney hill that i don't think we got into which was that um a lot of the imagery that barney hill used to describe this alien encounter uh parallels very closely to three episodes of a tv show called the outer limits 
that happened yes. in the weeks immediately prior to his hypnosis session. Um, so the outer mm-hmm. limits was sort of like the twilight, uh, uh, sort of like an off-brand twilight zone. Although I'd argue it's more mm-hmm. science fiction. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. watching the outer limits in the nineties because they started, they rebooted it in the outer limits. Uh, when I oh, was, uh, when in the nineties and my dad is a big science fiction nerd. So I watched a bunch when I probably shouldn't have, but it, it had some <laughs> cool. I love like anthology shows a lot of what times. Oh, of course. And the first episode is an adaptation of the uh, George R. R. Martin short story, Sand Kings, which is a really great Ooh. short story. And then the second episode has to do with aliens that come to Earth, uh, but they're like, they're dying and they need the bodies of the recently deceased that they sort of inhabit. And so like, there's whole like society breaking down about like people's loved ones are dying and then these aliens are using them to live on the planet. Oh. It's a pretty intense, it's a pretty great show. Like there's like, really cool ideas that get explored. Either way, this is the, uh, a version in the 1960s that was a lot more you know it was mm-hmm. 1960s but if you don't know what the outer yeah. limits is think twilight zone ish um, yeah and yeah i did, I did come zone. across i came across this in in the research i don't yeah i i don't think we talked about it but that is also definitely definitely uh suspicious <laughs> yeah he started taking his hypnosis uh sessions in january of 1964 and then his mm-hmm. uh, his claims about uh the alien started to happen on february 22nd 1964 and the mm-hmm. outer limits episodes that featured alien abductions came out on february's 3rd 10th and 17th all right Around this time. So around this time, actually. What a time. Also, the aliens' appearance. uh, Barney described them as wearing black leather jackets, which represent which uh, also is very similar to uh aliens in an episode of the Twilight Zone called Black Leather Jackets, which came out on January 31st, 1964. So uh maybe Barney Hill was a bit of a sci-fi fan. Maybe. And they were also wearing baseball caps. It, it's, it's according to a different account, but mm-hmm. I just want to throw it's that like out little, there. They're like greaser aliens. They're wearing like leather yeah, jackets, got these baseball caps, and like, hey, we're um, aliens. We're gonna stick stuff in ya. I'm gonna stab ya. Um. So, and the thing is that none of these like imageries starts to show up in these hypnosis sessions until after these TV episodes air. Hmm. And the the interesting one to point out is that on February 3rd, there was an episode of the Twilight Zone, or sorry, episode of The Outer Limits called The Invisibles, where invisible aliens perform surgical experiments on humans who are, like Barney Hill, laying face down on the table. In the show, a crab-like alien with a long tube-like tail is placed on a supine human's back, and the tail enters the human's back to inject an invisible parasite. So Ah. you can start to see where the imagination connects having something inserted into your lower back to, Uh you know, going a bit lower. Um, Also, just as an aside, a crab-like alien monster with a long tube-like tail, that to me just... And I know they're different, different creatures, but like you could just say like a scorpion, like alien, right? Fair, yeah. Because that's sort of what I'm getting. It's got the claws. It's got a tube-like tail. Come on. It's true. Hmm. Scorpion alien. That's what I'm saying. Scorpions are well-defined by their pedipalps, though. They're big, they're claws, which I feel like if, if that was missing. claws? Oh, they do. You're right. Wow. I'm just I'm just a master of the English language is what I'm saying. Okay. And I could have just know I another could, animal. I just know one other animal. <laughs> I I'm my name is Scott Nice Wonder. I can name two animals. <laughs> there you go. You don't know nothing anymore. I don't know no, I've known at least two things this whole time. Yeah. Oh no, the entire premise of this show is done. <laughs> So the description that Hill gives of this uh, anal probe violation does have a lot of similarities with this episode of The Outer Limits, Mm -hmm. Um, especially the framing, talking about clenched teeth and hands gripping the edge of the table. Because in that episode of The Outer Limits, there's heavy implication of a sexual violation, but obviously in the 1960s, you couldn't do that on television. Right. So the the inference is there. And then obviously, uh, Barney's imagination just took one step further. Right. Filled in the gaps. And the thing is that while these happen in these episodes as well, there's also a long history of these kind of abduction narratives with these sort of like uh, these themes of sexual violation uh, do have a part in a lot of pulp science fiction that also came out around that time. So depending upon the the nerddom levels of Barney, he could have had these ideas floating around in his head before he came up with them under hypnosis. Yeah. So like there was there were other like 
other stories out there that were that had a lot of these ideas already. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he invented this out of or it's not like, you know, if it was a more legitimate story, he would talk about things that no one had ever even thought of. But instead, right. he was talking about it. And in a time where the sort of invasiveness of medicine was becoming more apparent and scientific. And mm-hmm. that was also a sort of thing that the culture was digesting at the same time as all of yeah. these because science fiction is often a uh, reflection of the way that the world is going or things that are happening in the world. Yeah. And a lot of sometimes a lot of like response to anxieties a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, I'm a big comic book guy. So the fact that a lot of comic books have especially, you know, especially at the time where featured a lot of people who got powers through like radiation and stuff like that was very just like, oh, yeah, they were living through like the, the sort of atomic age of just like sometimes radiation is can be good and make superheroes sometimes it can be bad and and you know make super villains and and mm-hmm. things like that and and just trying to understand and, and work through a lot of those anxieties of of the time and and this is very similar to that yes it feels the early 20th century had a lot of major changes to people's relationship with science and technology there was an idea that was very optimistic at one point that world war one very much shattered there was um a growing mm-hmm. idea that the universe is a lot bigger than we think it is which led to a lot of like sort of abject horror about the smallness of our place in the universe. That's basically the entire Mm -hmm. premise behind HP Lovecraft and cosmic horror, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is late, late or early 20th century stuff. Late 18th. Like I feel like it's early 20th century, not late 1800s. I feel like that's a bit early for him, but anyways. um, So then these alien narratives of them performing scientific experiments on humans, the same way that we do on animals, further implementing our like smallness in the great, you know, scope of the cosmos and a lot of them being surgical in nature. Now um, it was the early 20th century that we invented penicillin and the first antibiotics, which basically were the things that allowed us to do very big invasive surgeries for the first time. Mm. And so the idea, like for example, like, you know, open heart surgery, uh, real, like, you know, like you, you could do them in the past, but it was a lot more risky. So they became a lot more common and a lot more, um, sophisticated in the early 20th century, which, um, you know, once that hits the popular imagination, you mix that with everything else going on. You have these abduction narratives of surgical things going on. Furthermore, mm-hmm. you get to 1969 and you have the colonoscopy where uh, doctors are saying now that there's going to be this like thing that if you don't, you know, if you have a sort of gut fear reaction to a lot of these medical things, sounds a lot like a sexual violation. And that anxiety could have played out in yeah. these images. For sure. Um and so like, the, yeah, so like that is that is the thing that's going on. Um, and the thing is that there's other parts of like, you know, sex and aliens and stuff like that in other contexts. There's another case that's actually slightly earlier than the Hills, which happened in Brazil by a uh, lawyer by the name of Antonio Vilas Boras, who um, tried to get popular with the Hills' PR story, but actually had his own story about being kidnapped to reproduce with sexy female aliens. Like, and of course, was he, was he for was he forced to, or was he like, all right, I could get into this, I, I could, could dig this. I do not know. I, he did refer to them as as sexy female that will, aliens, so maybe I think he was that, into it. That will drastically change my response from either oh, it's a. Oh. Um, other things that also could probably talk about the the sort of connection of like sex and aliens is that in the late 1960s, you also have Star Trek, um, where you have the famous yeah. case of one Captain James T. Kirk and his multiple um, horny man escapades with uh, with mm-hmm. green women to the point where it's become like almost a, a meme. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So that's like sort of the, that's sort of like the introduction of the mm-hmm. sex and aliens and the violation that sort of all builds yeah. up around the anal probe story that comes out through Barney Hill's um, like hypnosis sessions. Yeah. In the 1960s. But you can what you can see here is that it has a lot of cultural context and a lot of um sort of stuff going on that is uh, part of the cultural processing that definitely was you know going through Barney Hill's brain. Um, Absolutely. Then we get into the 1970s and 80s, where a lot of this starts to become more uh, formalized. Because in the 70s and 80s, medical testing uh, and sexual reproduction became a standard part of the UFO abduction script. Because after the Hills, lots of people started reporting abduction narratives. Yeah. Um, Very coincidental. I don't know how that happened. That's so weird how it just all, there was like a sort of catalyst and suddenly these aliens were everywhere. Yeah. 
And so uh, I'll give some examples. Let's do another callback. Um, the cattle mutilation story. Uh, there were newspapers accounts in the U- in the 1970s that asked whether UFOs were responsible for these mutilations of cattle. And uh, one of the things that was pointed out is that a lot of the um, mutilations that happened seemed to focus around their uh, sexual organs. Hmm. And especially the, the anus in the 1970s, um, which attracted this idea that um, there wasn't the there was a, yeah, there was a time that like they actually thought that it was like yeah. I'm the, can you acknowledge my very good joke? Mooty, like booty, but like booty? but it's a cow. With a cow. So oh, I see. It's like a it's like a wordplay. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Continue. But uh, but one of the but the thing is like while they talked about UFOs, it wasn't the first narrative. And because of that focus around the sort of sexual organs of the animal and the anus and stuff. There was this actual thought that in the 1970s, some people thought that it was being done by some sort of like strange perverts or weirdos, as they called it, who were behind the mutilations. Then when the narrative evolved into aliens, it sort of uh, connected that idea that aliens had some sort of interest in sex organs and aliens are the perverts. Yes. Gotcha. Um, But then, of course, the conclusion was, as I mentioned in the episode on cattle mutilations, that uh, scavengers just eat the softest parts of the body first. And that happens to be the softer part of the body. Yeah. It's not a lot of it's pretty. Yeah. I mean, there's no bones in there. No. So that is that's like that's the, the sort of two things for preamble. But then the real thing that made the anal probe story take off happened in 1987, okay. where two right. media sensations coalesced in the same year. And again, okay, we're talking I'm about interested. cultural context again. And this is where yes. two different sorts of things going on come together. First, 1987. Yes. First one is that President Ronald Reagan, the uh, best president. Mm hmm. <laughs> No, yeah, sorry. you just can't say it with a straight face. Um, <laughs> yep, sorry. But uh, one of the things that is famous about President Ronald Reagan is that he had colon polyps and struggled with cancer throughout mm. his presidency. And in 1985, he underwent a colonoscopy and a colonectomy, colonectomy uh, in which he had to temporarily transfer power over to the vice president. And then okay. in, and as a follow, he got a follow-up colonoscopy and a polyp removal in 1987, and that was widely publicized, which just shows that um, news really needs to find better things to talk about sometimes. <laughs> So hold on. I joke about not liking Ronald Reagan, but I mean, I'm not joking. I don't like him. But what are you saying that like because this was widely publicized that it's sort of like made it more it, it like made it more normal and and, and more just like oh okay Col- that's yeah. a thing that other people that i could do that and i should do that yeah colorectal colonoscopy it, it, this yeah. is the first time it happened in the 1950s president eisenhower had a heart attack while in office and it led to a whole like awareness campaign about uh cardiovascular health and like a lot of the oh. stuff that we have about like heart health today came from like sort of a, a push of interest in studying heart attacks and heart health that came from uh, eisenhower mm-hmm. having a heart attack in office and this led to a smaller but still kind of uh, significant version of talking about colorectal health in men. Um, okay, that's good. I'm not mad at that. Hmm. So that was going on. And the other one, uh, which uh, is uh, way, 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 like kind of really gets dark and uh, sort of hits on you a bit more, which was that in the 1980s, uh, the colonoscopy mm. angle was also um, dealing with the fact that there was a strong uh, sort of cultural backlash towards homosexuality in the 1980s because of the HIV and AIDS crisis. Oh. Um, and so right around the time that anal probing enters ufology uh, as a sort of uh, basically a primarily male rape narrative, uh, let's right. not like, you know, skip words about it, happens in the late 80s at the height of the AIDS crisis when uh, penetrative male-on-male sex is highly stigmatized as a carrier of disease and therefore something to be afraid of. Um, Mm. And mentioned that um, probing is essentially, like it is essentially a rape narrative to to not disappear with. And and during that time, the AIDS epidemic was uh, devastating the gay communities of the of America, especially or around the world, especially gay men. Um, There's a reason why, like, there's you know, in a lot of LGBTQ place spaces, there is a lot there. There's a there's a big gap of gay people above a certain age because Mm. there a lot of them died in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, yeah, and that also fits into this story and a 
lot of humor about colonoscopies that came up in the 1980s and 1990s also had a lot of homophobia and stereotypes about masculinity being violated as part of it. Mm. So this is happening at the same all at the same time in 1987. Mm-hmm. Great. I told you this was not going to be a very lot of levity was not going to be around for very, very long. Right, um, right, right. I'm going to take I'm going to take back what I said about things being better in the past. Uh even for me, even yeah. for me, Tristan. Yeah. Um, and th- and so all of that happens. And then in 1987, a really important book comes out, uh, specifically called Communion, a true story by a person named Whitley Stryber. Mm-hmm. And this sort of horror science fiction memoir that is, you know, written as a true story. Uh, it, it's a it's a, a it's a story that's by a ufologist, an American ufologist, mm-hmm. but also who is a horror author. Interesting okay. combination of things. And it's written as if this is a real story um okay so whitby striber who has you know experiences of lost time and bad flashbacks classic uh which then gets uh more elaborated under hypnosis Mm. and uh and of course as uh, not only did we talk about the unreliability of hypnosis in the last episode but we have talked about how there was a big uh rash of uh like repressed memories uh narratives coming out of the 1980s when we talked about like the satanic panic yeah like cult panic and stuff like that and so this is definitely a part of that uh when that was a big deal and this book comes out that involves a anal probing narrative and you know a violation narrative that then uh b- makes it a bestseller the book becomes a bestseller for six months and to this day it's probably the most influential alien abduction account most of like the staples of the alien abduction narrative come from this book even more than like the hills i think in like a modern context yes especially like when you talk about it in the 90s and everything really? like that um, because not only was this, uh, like Stryber's book becomes like, a, a very widely like read, but also becomes a movie that comes out in 1992 that actually has a scene where Christopher Walken gets probed. Oh no. Yeah. And you can see in literature, the references to anal probing, uh, multiply exponentially after this movie comes out. So a lot of the abduction narratives that people start having from their UFO stories start to, after the, again, Timed almost exactly yeah. to when the movie comes out. Uh-huh. Now everybody's interested. Everybody's getting probed. Um, <laughs> Everyone's getting probed. And so it oh, does boy. seem that uh, a lot of like our modern idea of this comes directly from this 1992 film. That's when I was born. Mm. 1992. Do you think I had anything to do with it? Oh, were you in the movie? You could have been. I don't. I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think so. I don't know if there are any. How babies. could I know? There's no way to know. Uh, and in this, Schreiber very much like writes it as a uh, as like a rape narrative, and that's where like it becomes more of like a horror tinged thing uh i'm not going to read his description of it i've decided um it's a little gross okay yeah don't blame you so but like so like that's everything that's going on in sort of when the narrative becomes widespread gotcha gotcha and i just i just read the description in the in the um outline it's not fun yikes uh yeah so there are some uh like there are some other stories of this, like there's Bud Hopkins who has some stories from the 1980s that also have stories of, of reproductive violation. There's uh, stories like uh, a 1942 abduction report from a guy named Albert uh, Lancashire, Lancashire, um, which again, fills a lot of these tropes. So like, again, the Hills mm-hmm. were not the first, just the most popular. Uh, there's like a story like an Indianapolis woman uh, has, you know, stories about being forcibly impregnated and having the fetus cut out of her stomach of a, of a, like a, like a, story like a lot of like not only Mm. sex but like reproduction like there's a lot of ufo abduction narratives that that. have to do with like them making hybrid babies and stuff like that yeah um and this i think uh is part of that for sure that narrative um again because a lot of times when you are doing things like uh dealing with dreams which is a lot of like what hypnosis and like recovered memory stuff is is sometimes people Mm. working through different forms of trauma uh Mm -hmm. through through their dreams and then believing that believing the fantastic dream elements to be true Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we were talking about last two weeks ago, two episodes ago, episode, when The Hills. We were talking in that episode, too, about that, um, you know, again, talking about cultural context, like the, the idea of uh, of 
you know, like reproductive rights and, and bodily autonomy and things like that, um, making big waves in culture and politics and mm-hmm. things like that. So it sort of goes back. Everything sort of ties into the sort yeah. of anxieties at the time. 1970s was the uh, was the Roe v. Wade decision. 1980s mm-hmm. was the rise of the religious right and the uh, sort of taking off of the uh, anti-abortion movement. Mm-hmm. So you could definitely see that as part of the of what's going on. Again, yeah. like a lot, like the reason why we're talking about so many disparate things is because, you know, people don't live in a vacuum. All of this stuff is the stuff that people yeah. are thinking about, worrying about, processing as a culture. And then when these narratives come out, you can start to see like these things, like, like why there's reason to be skeptical because they have so many connections to these mm-hmm. things. Like if an alien actually did come, that was like objectively not a piece of fiction, the things that they would do to us in studying would probably be unrecognizable. Um, yeah. And we would not like we would not we wouldn't understand. But again, it seems like the aliens in these narratives are interested in very human things that are designed to be part of the way that we dramatically dream or process trauma or uh, various different things. Yeah. Um, By the way, a lot of those stories that Bud Hopkins is narratives or real cop so the way that works is that bud hopkins collected a bunch of stories of these abductions mm-hmm. uh that he claims came from the 80s that have and a lot of but in, you mentioned bud hopkins do i know that name he's he's just he's just some guy he's i, I believe he's a, he's like a, a uf there's a lot of ufologists um he's like an artist he's he's, he's, a, he's a ufologist that also is like an author and an artist and a bunch of other stuff gotcha um okay there's a lot of these people who just sort of content creators for the ufo movement but the thing is like a lot of people like a lot of these stories a lot of his stories that happened in the 1980s uh did not seem to come to the surface until mysteriously he started having them talking about them publicly at conferences and in books that came out in the 1990s oh as soon as he started talking about them suddenly people were like yeah me too actually well it's more like um all of a sudden bud hopkins had bud hopkins claims he has all these stories that came out before communion but he didn't start talking about any of them he just sat on them until communion came out and then i see he all of a sudden remembered actually yeah (laughs) actually yeah now that you say that i've heard this a dozen times let me tell you about them Mm While I presumably go to all these different conventions and things and get attention and maybe money from it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it became a huge thing. Um, these, this, this sort of like touchstones really caused it to become a meme within the way that we see UFO narratives um, to the point where it became a joke. Yep. Taboos surrounding taboos. Sur- I love this because this is the best line I've ever read on Wikipedia. Um, mm-hmm. Due to taboos surrounding the anus and potential for discomfort and embarrassment, the rectal exam is a common comedic device. Uh, <laughs> um, as we did today. Yeah. Um, it was famous enough that in 1997, it was the subject of the very first episode of South Park called Cartman Gets an Anal Probe. Oh, that's right. Um, and that, you know, uh, there were jokes about this in a lot of pop culture, including Saturday Night Live and. Uh, um, freaking, I mean, yeah, John Mulaney back in the day had like a whole, a whole bit in one of his stand-up specials about getting a colonoscopy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where ufologists to, uh, today and back then uh, tried to distance themselves from these narratives. Oh. <laughs> so that's like, so that to the conclusion, uh, there's a lot of reasons to think that maybe aliens aren't interested in this and this is us processing all sorts of cultural baggage in various different ways, usually in in dreams that we then through hypnosis become convinced are real yeah uh that makes sense to me it's never been super clear why aliens want to go up our butts um you know it doesn't i've never really heard an explanation that makes sense to mm-hmm. me um that being said there are plenty of good reasons for like a qualified doctor to want to do that yes in a scheduled exam yeah i wanted to um bring something of social value out of us talking about a mix of riffing on this joke mixed with like the darkness of talking about sexual violation and and all these things and that is uh hey everybody um we're we're especially me getting up there in, in years, uh, not quite this up there in years, but you know, it'll be a thing, you know, um, get, get a colonoscopy guys. Um, especially, especially guys, 
if you uh, colon cancer is a uh, colon cancer screening is a proven lifesaver. A colonoscopy mm. can detect a precancerous growth or a polyp that forms in your colon uh, and allow them to be safe before they become, you know, something that might kill you. Screening can also detect colorectal cancer in its earliest stages, which means it's small and localized and easier to treat. Yeah. Colorectal cancer is the third most common form of cancer, and it kills a lot of people. So it's um it's important to check. Absolutely. Why is it more common in men typically? Do we know? I do not know. Let me let let's look let's let's go on a journey together. Cause I was just I was trying to think if there was like a more I guess inclusive way to say it, like rather than because like what part of the typical like cis man is it? Because you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there could be a trans woman who has like a that could also get colonoscopy maybe. Um, good question. I'm, I cannot find a thing that I can, I can find a thing that says that it is a fact that uh, both men and women have an equal can- chance of getting colorectal cancer, but males have a higher chance of getting straight up rectal cancer. And I can't find an answer. Uh, there might not be an answer. I think there's some speculation that has to do with the fact that uh, a lot of it can be tied to things that we choose to eat specifically gotcha. the eating of uh, cured meats and stuff like that is linked to it so okay yeah well, unfortunately right. a lot of the way that um, medical researchers talk about this kind of stuff is still not yeah. developed in that way sadly okay but yeah go shout out to shout out to colonoscopies I've never had one would like to I imagine they're not fun um, I am I also imagine they're not fun but I I mean again the last time I had any sort of like general checkup or physical was when I was almost five years ago. Mm. So I, and, and at that time they told me I didn't need one cause I was a young whippersnapper, but definitely getting up there. Gotta get it checked out. Mm-hmm. Should schedule something. So experts recommend that uh, people should probably start getting colonoscopies regularly about once every 10 years, starting at the age of 50. Okay. But that's not a magic number for everybody. Uh, If you are uh, prone to getting colon cancer, you might want to go uh, earlier. Like if you have a relative who was diagnosed with colorectal cancer or polyps, uh, Mm -hmm. you might want to go. Are you related to Ronald Reagan? Uh, If you are of African-American descent. Or the opposite of Ronald Reagan. Oh, God. Um, there is a higher incidence of colon cancer among uh, among your population. And so uh, they recommend getting colonoscopies at 45 or possibly even earlier. Oh, I think that one of the reasons why a lot of these exams are recommended for uh, is because of the prostate. Because um, the prostate That's can also That's what I was curious. Cancer. I was curious um, about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, furthermore, uh, there are hereditary conditions who um, can that can that can give you, uh, if you've been diagnosed with uh, familial, adenomatous uh, polypsis, uh, hereditary non-polypsis colon cancer, or other inherited conditions, you might have a higher risk of developing colorectal cancer. A physician will probably recommend you get earlier screenings. Um, but basically everyone should be screened, uh, when they are yeah. of the right age or, uh, that, that, that their physician feels that they should be, uh, getting them. Or if you, if you live in a country where you can just go to a doctor on a Monday and just say, can I get a colonoscopy? <laughs> Maybe they do. I don't know how much, pre- I'm sure there, there's gotta be preparation, right? You probably are not allowed to eat much. No, yeah. There's, there's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole day yeah. thing. It's a whole uh, day I believe thing. that you can't just do it at the doctor's office. I think you have to go to a hospital to get it done. It's like a okay. procedure. Um, but yeah, uh, basically to just say all that, uh, to say in way too many words for probably somebody eating their lunch right now, uh, colon cancer is one of the most preventable forms of cancer. And if a patient takes a proactive role in their own healthcare, you actually can, uh, very likely avoid it. Maybe that's what the aliens are doing. They're just checking us out. They just really care about colorectal health. They care about the health. They care about your health and my health. And I think that's great of them. Um, I wish they would ask, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just ask first. That's all we're saying, aliens. Yes. Enthusiastic consent. Yeah. Um, is that the episode? That is the episode. Um, I'm sorry. I apologize. I feel like this episode is tonally all over the place. It is a little bit, but I think that makes for some of our more interesting episodes. Let us know what you think. 
listener. Yeah, genuinely, let us know what you think over at Probs Not Aliens, at Probs Not Aliens on Twitter and Instagram and maybe other places. Mastodon? We'll see still. I don't know. Twitter's about to nuke its API tomorrow. So uh, on February 9th, which is going to destroy a lot of third party apps. Oh, it already happened, baby. It already happened. It happened like a week ago. Okay. It's gone. They, without any fanfare, Elon was like, get get it out of here. Everyone has to use official Twitter app and it sucks. At Props on Aliens, you actually can't follow us now because uh, we decided to private to get more (laughs) intricate. Get more <laughs> no, no, that's a joke. Where can where can people go to find more of you and and your stuff, Tristan? You can find my non colorectal cancer talk uh, content at uh, Step Back on Nebula or YouTube. Uh, my most recent video is called "There Have Always Been Trans People," and it's a long history of how, as long as there's been gender, there have been trans people. That's uh, awesome, Scott. Yes, hi. Where would I go if I wanted to watch the hottest of of Velma oh, I'll takes. stop you there. The hottest stuff on the internet, the hottest person on the internet. I yeah. didn't hear what the rest of what you said was, but if you want to do that, you can go check me out and the sort of my, and my stuff over at a YouTube channel called NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. I'm in the process of moving, as I've been saying for the past couple of episodes. Still, still doing it. Yeah, um, this is the first time your camera here. I was gonna say this is the first time I've been on camera when Tristan and I have recorded. So he's now seeing the, the new space, and there's boxes and junk sort of everywhere. Yeah, but for, for you nerd sync heads, the uh, the Green Lantern light is already is already it's in place. On, it's plugged in, baby. Um, it's here. So, uh, just, I'm going to make videos soon again, really soon. Cause I have to, cause I have to pay for the house that we live in now. Um, and I can't stop. Congratulations. I can't ever stop. I can't ever stop making content, Tristan. I can never stop. You get to do it forever. Cause not only, not only do we have bills to pay, but we have made ourselves unemployable by doing whatever this is for a good chunk of our <laughs> life. So, um, <laughs> So if you want to help us out, please uh, write reviews of this show on Apple Podcasts and any other place. It really does help out the show. Um, we've been getting a lot of new traction um, uh, on just just from what I see on the back end, new listeners. Um, the show's growing and it's entirely, entirely because of you all who write reviews and uh, tell your friends about it. Like it's just word of mouth is like the biggest way the show spreads and um, we love to see it. We really do. And the best, the best place to send your friends or really anyone who might be interested in this topic uh, that we talk about week to week is a very simple website called probsnotaliens.com. Go send people mm-hmm. there. Um, and yeah, if you want to listen, what, Tristan, if people want to listen to this show an episode early, if they want to listen to episode 68 that came out after next episode... Week, that comes out th- next week. <laughs> that comes out next week after this episode 69, where can they uh, go to listen to it? So if you want to watch last week's next week's episode early, you can go to nebula.tv slash probably not aliens. I know it's the one thing that's not probs, not aliens. So be patient with we'll us. Get them to change. We'll work it. on it. We'll get them to change it. Maybe we'll see. I'll maybe I'll add the link to the website probsnotaliens.com. But by yeah. but by uh, subscribing to Nebula and getting the episodes early, you are supporting both of us in keeping this project yes. going and uh, you know supporting us getting all the all the drugs that we need to function and yep. for our, for Tristan's little one to function. Yeah. So you can go to daycare um, so I can keep making content forever, but also by signing up for Nebula, you get not only this show early, but you get lots of shows early, lots of other YouTube and content creators, as well as us, as well as bonus content and bonus stuff. So for like, you know, for the price of one early episode of, of it's probably not aliens, you will get a huge library of a bunch of very talented people. And I imagine oh, yeah some that are already your faves so yeah it's a good deal so go check it out all right well until next time my name is scott nicewander i'm tristan johnson and the truth is out there <sighs> probably this is the episode's butt this is the <laughs> This is the episode's butt. It's caboose, you might say. Yep.